So it was sometime early in the fall of 1970, and Karen and I had just a couple months prior to this had just met each other in 10th grade biology class. And, uh, you know, we started this boyfriend-girlfriend thing, high school thing going on, and, which is the kind of thing that can happen when parents aren't paying attention. <laughs> parents pay attention. Ours has a happy ending, but not all of them do, right? <laughs> and uh, so we were kind of probably, I don't know, a month or six weeks into this very special friendship, and she had, of course, fallen immediately in love with me when she saw me. <laughs> How could you not? And, and uh, so I was over at her house. It was nighttime, and we were in, her, in the backyard of her property, and we were playing tetherball. Which, if you just do an image, if you know what tetherball is, and me and Karen playing, you know, I <laughs> kind of have a natural advantage, shall we say. So I'm winging it around, and she's like, ah, 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 you know. And uh, so we were just, you know, goofing off and laughing, just being teenagers and goofing off. And something happened. I sneezed. I don't know why I sneezed, but I chewed. And you know what she said? Yeah, she said, God bless you. I said, what did you just say? I did. I remember, like yesterday. She said, I said, God bless you. And that phrase started a conversation between us that resulted in my asking Jesus Christ into my life as Savior and Lord. Just because she said, God bless you. We've been talking some about what it means to be created in the image of God as part of our finding out who we are so we can figure out what we're doing here, right? Talking about how the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. And, you know, I just want to make it really clear that we are not God, you know. We'll never be God. We are created in the image of God because the image of a thing is not the thing, right? It's an image of the thing. Uh, the image flows from the thing. There has to be a thing for there to be an image of it, right? But it's not the thing. It flows from the thing. And we're created in the image of God, which means there are certain qualities and capacities that we have that flow from God. We talked about the fact that essentially we are spiritual and eternal. That is who we are. That's the bigger part of who we are. The flesh will fail us. But guess what? We're going on after this. That's because we're created in the image of God. That we're created for relationships. That God himself is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is a relationship. Blows your mind, I know. Don't ask me to explain it. He just is. And we're created in his image. We're created for relationships. Can't do this by yourself. Last week we talked about that as created in the image of God, that we are authorized, compelled, if you will, to to exercise kingdom authority that God said I give you I made you so that you'll rule over all this stuff and, and being Christians means we have kingdom authority that we can speak the authority of God into a situation right well today I want to I want to add one more to the list and that is that as those who are created in the image of God we have power to bless can God bless sure we, we, we pray for God's blessing, his favor, right? Are we created in the image of God? 
One of the capacities that we have as spirit-filled believers is, is that we have now the power to bless, to speak blessing, to speak it's similar in some ways to the kingdom authority, but in that we're, we're just, by faith, we're creating space for God to come and to take control as the, as the ultimate authority, right? Well, this is a resident power that we have as believers to speak blessing. Uh, you know, it's a common part of our, a somewhat common part, when I mean, you say God bless you and somebody sneezes often as a courtesy, but we also, have any of you ever been asked to say the blessing over a meal? Pray the blessing. Anybody ever do that? Right? And probably the most famous example of that is, of course, when uh, Uncle Lewis asked Aunt Bethany in Christmas vacation that to say, the blessing, right? You speak the blessing. Sure. We get that. The Bible's full of this capacity to speak the blessing. Anybody get to Genesis yet? Genesis chapter 27, there's a thing where Isaac is getting ready to die and Jacob and Esau come around for his what? His blessing. And through a little cahoots with mom, then there's a little trickery that goes on. And what happens? Jacob gets Esau's blessing. Well, all that aside, it shows that there's a power to bless. There's a, there's a resident power as created in God's image, to bless. James chapter 3, verse 10, when James is challenging us to be careful about all the things that we say, he says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. So out of our mouths is a capacity to bless. Hi, Abby and Matt. I'm so glad to see you guys. Be sure we hug before you go, okay? All right. Put me down for a hug. What was I talking about? blessing. Our scripture today is back in Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. And here Moses is telling Aaron, his brother, and his sons who are the original priests, right? He's telling, Moses is telling these guys that the Lord has authorized them to speak this blessing out over people. Let's read it together. It's up on the top right there. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. How many of you would like that blessing, right? And, and God, God gave Aaron as the, as the priest over Israel the capacity to speak that on his behalf. Now notice he's speaking it out. He's just saying it. He's not, he's not praying it the way we commonly pray, like, Lord, would you please bless these people and would you please keep them? Would you please, you know, give them peace? But he's, he, it's like it's already inside of him and so he speaks it. And so Aaron and his sons were authorized as the original priests to uh, be able to speak this out. And uh, I think what we have to realize is that this is, as spirit-filled believers... Our capacity to do this into the people of our lives is an extension of this priestly authority. How can that be, you ask? Okay, anybody get to the book of Hebrews? Okay, so in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how in the Old Testament there were all these priests who stood between the people and God, right? But then something happened in the New Testament that changed all of that. What was it? 
It was the death of Jesus Christ on this very cross that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, well, not this very cross, but on, on, on the, when Jesus died for us on the cross, when he gave his life for us, when he shed his blood for us, which is something he did historically. Jesus is not still on the cross. He's not still suffering. Don't let anybody beat you up with that. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews that his, shed was, his blood was shed once and for all, right? It was shed historically, but it continues to speak. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He went in the tomb. I don't want to spoil this for you, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. Now listen, the Bible says that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is stationed in a way that he intercedes for our sins. As though, even though he's not on the cross, he continues, he continues to be the priest. Hebrews says we don't need a priest anymore because Jesus Christ is our priest in the order of Melchizedek. You don't need a priest. You don't need anybody to stand between you and God. The Bible says that there is one mediator, priest, one, one person between man and God, and that is the man, what does it say? Jesus Christ. Right? Okay, so Jesus is our priest, and he has commanded us by extension through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and be him in the world. Am I right or am I wrong? Right? Part of this, as the priest had authority then to announce blessing, so do we have authority as spirit-filled believers to announce blessing, to speak blessing. We have that power. Now speak blessing into your life right now, Mike. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the power of God resident in me by his Holy Spirit, by his grace, I speak blessing into your life. I speak health into your life. I speak the word of the Lord into your life. I speak the, the purpose of the gospel. I, I speak blessing into your life. We can do that. We can do that. I need you to speak blessing into my life. Not right now. God, I speak blessing of peace and knowledge of the words that are taught in your name. You see, you have resident inside of you as a spirit-filled believer capacity to do that. That's the power of blessing. Jamie, I speak blessing into your life in the name of Jesus. I speak the blessing of God. I speak the favor of God. I speak the nearness of God. God has ruined your life. And I pray that he'll come and show you why he did that. For his maximum glory. And for, I, I just speak satisfaction and fulfillment of God's purpose into your life right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We have, we have power. Power to bless. Power to extend that kind of a blessing. I want you to make sure you realize something about this priesthood thing. 
It's a symbol of something. Jesus is our high priest, so we don't need an earthly priest. You don't need anybody to stand between you and God. Least of all me, for crying out loud. If you're going to pick somebody, aim higher than this. All right? I'm just like you. I just get up every day and walk it out. Just like you. Okay? You don't need a priest. In the Protestant Reformation, because the priesthood in the Catholic Church had gone, had become so corrupt that one of Martin Luther's protests was, was against that. How they were manipulative and controlling, and they were not bringing the mercy and grace of God to people. And so part of his whole, whole credo was, was that it was the priesthood of all believers, he said. That every believer has a kind of a priesthood that with Jesus as our high priest, every single believer, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a capacity in you to bring, exercise kingdom authority, as we talked about last week. You know, in the history of this church, I don't think we've ever had a ministry time like we had last week. That was, that was just amazing, an unforgettable time. That was, that was the release of kingdom authority. Created in the image of God. You have that. And I, th- I just want you to realize the priesthood of all believers, we all have this capacity in equal measure. I mean, I speak blessing on you guys all the time. When I walk the wall, I bring kingdom authority. I, re- I surrender to kingdom authority. And I just pronounce the, there's a certain place on, on the wall where I just speak the, almost the same thing, but it's powerful, just that the river of God would flow in in favor in this place. The river of God would come in and just bring favor. And, and, and I'm, I'm not really asking. I mean, I'm not telling what God, God what to do, but I'm, there's something inside of us as believers that we can, we can just release it. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it'll move. He didn't say, if you ask God to move the mountain, it'll move, right? Now, obviously, we want to pray. That's how we get, that's how we get the juice, right? But then we release it. Just release it. And I just want you to make sure you know that this is equally available to all of us. I mean, I can bring blessing in your life, but it's not because I'm a pastor. There's no special thing that comes with being a pastor except a bunch of people. Okay? There's no special thing that comes with that. I'm, I'm persuaded that if, if I seem to have more capacity to release blessing than you feel like you have, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because of other things. You see, my life isn't surrendered to God because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because my life is surrendered to God. Right? Critical difference. You have the same capacity. No special people in Jesus' kingdom. Do you notice this? I mean, when Jesus went out, who do you go after, the higher or the low? That's what you're doing here. No special people. We all have the same potential for this. What is this speaking, uh, speaking blessing? Well, I think one of the greatest definitions or explanations of this came from a person named Dallas Willard, who was 
one of, truly one of the great Christian thinkers of our age. He died just a few years ago, went home to be with the Lord. For many, many years, he was a professor of philosophy at uh, University of Southern California. And uh, he wrote a number of books uh, that really impacted the church. The two, for my money, the two greatest books that he ever wrote were, um, were The Divine Conspiracy and, and The Spirit of the Disciplines. These are two great books for you to read. Now, The Divine Conspiracy will ruin your life. All right, I'll just might as well tell you. You're just going to want to do something altogether different than what you've been doing because it just really gets, gets to you. But um, when, when I was reading uh, some of Dallas Willard's comments about the blessing this week, I wrote this down. He said, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. It isn't just words. It's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. So it's not just, hey, say this and somebody will be blessed. You know, you see all that nonsense in the newspaper and stuff. It's not, it's not pray these words. It's deeper. It's about the projection of, of, of the good of God into someone else's life. And I speak that into your life now in the name of Jesus. I use my will to release that into your life for healing in your back. I release that right now in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of the Lord. And you see, that's a wonderful thing to hear, but it's also so risky because if I do this, you say, well, I want you to get a robe and a funny hat next, right? That's not the way it works. You can do this. It's the actual, he said, it's the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. It always involves God because when you will the good of another person, you realize only God is capable of bringing that. So it's not saying, I have this good for you. It's saying, I have this capacity to engage the goodness of God into your life. You have that. You can bless someone when, when you will their good. Oh, you can bless someone when you will their good under the invocation of God. Frank, I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless, I bless you with peace, the peace of God. I'm, I'm just wanting to be used to release faith for you right now, so the peace of God come on your life. You invoke God on their behalf to support the goodwill that you will for them. This is the nature of the blessing. Now, his last line is this. It is what we are to receive from God and then give to another. You know, Jesus, he said a lot of crazy stuff, right? I mean, one of them was, you know, love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you, right? In other words, bless those who persecute you. That you have the capacity to respond to an enemy in one of two ways. You can square up and say, come on me, bro, let's go. Or you, can, or you can say, or you can say, I bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, think about this. Which response do you think is going to be, is going to change that person? You squaring off? Are you putting, you invoking the goodness of God on them? See what I mean? If you're walking in the Spirit of God, then you have this capacity to pronounce a blessing. You know, there's talk in the church today about Spirit-filled believers. I got to tell you again, there's no other kind. <laughs> there's no other kind. 
In the book of Colossians, Paul said, uh, you know, you are rooted in Christ, and as a result, you've been given fullness in Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You, you know, there might be some, some believers who talk more about it or maybe are even more spirit-engaged, but everybody's spirit-filled, Right? Remember when you came to Christ and gave your life to him? It was amazing. You were filled with the Spirit. The question is, have you leaked in the time? Have you sufficiently given the Spirit away so that you should come back and be refilled with the Spirit? That's the thing. The dynamic of the Holy Spirit is not to fill you once so that you say, I drove a to Kenya. The the. The di- I mean, you say that if the Lord puts that in you, but listen, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit is so that you go out and in his, in his power and under his direction or his authority, you go out and announce the acceptable year of the Lord, just like you did on me, man. That's powerful. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. So the question is, you know, are, are you filled? Are you engaged with the Holy Spirit? Karen and I were reading... Our Bible time together, I think it was yesterday or Friday, I don't remember which, but we were in the book of Numbers, um, just kind of where we are right now, in Numbers chapter 11, and to set this up, Moses was complaining to God about these people he'd let out into the wilderness. And his complaint kind of like, went like this to the Lord. Did I, did I conceive all these people? Why? Are, literally, it's, it's so humorous. He says, are these mine? Why are these people my problem? I can't do anything right for them. I mean, I parted the stinking Red Sea, brought manna and quail from heaven, and they say they're hungry. Did, how did these people get to be my problem? It's, it's remarkable. But then he, God says something to Moses that really illustrates the paradigm shift between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, in verse 16, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. This is verse 16. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. And, and here's the part I want you to get. And I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. And then they will help you to carry the burden. Now, pay attention. He said, Moses, I will take of the spirit. I won't take away my spirit, but I have given you a measure of spirit since you need help. I'm going to take some of that away and I'm going to put it on these 70 guys so that they can help you. That's the picture of the Old Testament. That the Lord chose certain people. There was a measure of the spirit, right? Now, the great paradigm shift is after Jesus Christ died and rose again, is that there's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There aren't representatives that the pouring out of the spirit is meant for every follower of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's just repeated over and over and over again in the scriptures, Right? I mean, they were filled in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, it said the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Same people who were previously filled, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So the dynamic is set up of filling and refilling. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, don't be drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you want the ultimate buzz? Fill with the Holy Spirit. 
So why are you wasting time with this counterfeit stuff? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if we should call them spirit-filled believers or spirit-engaged believers because if you're, a, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in there. It's just what are you doing? What are you doing next? The Holy Spirit and these capacities of the Holy Spirit, these supernatural capacities, they're written into your hard drive. They're in there. But I don't know about you, but I got a laptop. I got a laptop so I can do my stuff. You know, I, I write stuff. I email. I, uh, I make PowerPoint stuff like this, and I, I search Craigslist. That's, that's pretty much what, what I do with my laptop. Now, I feel certain it can do a whole lot more than those three things, right? I mean, I heard there's this thing called Facebook out there. Is that, tr- is that a true thing or something making that up? Is it? Well, I'm not doing it. I don't do it. I've never done it. I don't do what I would never say to your Facebook. Right? You do what you want, but just think back how much trouble you've gotten into because of Facebook, right? Yeah. Anyway, how'd I get there? I'm sure my little laptop will do all kinds of things. Somebody, I read somewhere that there is more computing power in my cell phone than was available to NASA when they put man on the moon. In my cell phone, right? I'm just saying, I've got this laptop that I, I'm sure I haven't even begun to tap the potential of because I'm not that interested. I'm not that curious. I don't have a reason to, right? You as a believer are filled with the Spirit and you have supernatural capacities in you and we have the same. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You have a resident power to announce blessing when you are engaged, filled with, engaged by the Holy Spirit. Somebody asked me, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I, how do I get this, how do I keep that thing on full? Well, you won't always keep it on full because you're meant to give them away, right? But how do I get that filled? How do I get that refilled? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, surrender to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. You've got to surrender. I mean, it's one thing to believe in Jesus. Yes, he died on the cross for me. Uh, I want my sins forgiven. I want to go to heaven after this. But it's another thing to say, I surrender to you. I'm not just depending on you and your redemptive work on the cross for my salvation, but I'm giving my life to you. You may have me now. You, I have plans for my life. You can change them. Feel free. You're my Lord, right? Second thing you need to do is make a decision that the word of God is absolutely true. You see, there's a lot of arguing with God going on in America today over the Bible. There's a lot of arguing back with him. And I'm not surprised that, that people aren't filled with the Holy Spirit because God fills with the Holy Spirit people who are surrendered to his word and believe that it is absolutely true. Now, I believe that this Bible is absolutely true from Genesis to Revelation, but listen, I still have questions. Don't you have questions? I don't understand it, but I have made a decision that it's true and it has changed everything. I have made it, I have decided as an act of my will that this is true. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to make that same decision. You need to decide that it's true, and you can do that. You say, how can I just do that? I have so many questions. You do this kind of thing all the time. Has anybody here ever had surgery? Really? You had to make a decision, didn't you? 
some guy you hardly knew or a woman you hardly knew came in and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut you open. We're going to take some stuff out or we're going to fix some or we're going to swap out some parts. Then we're going to sew you back up and you're going to be better. You see how ridiculous that sounds on the surface? You had to make a decision, right? And you had to make a decision that it's true. What did you base that decision on? You based it on two things. That there's some panel of experts that you don't even know who said, yeah, that surgery works. And the second thing is you knew somebody had the surgery and they're better, right? So experts, testimony, you decided it's true. Hello? You made a decision. It's true. Cut away. Any of you ever been on a diet? Okay, so you say, man, I'm fat. I got to lose some weight, right? You start making decisions, and you choose your diet. Low carb, low fat, paleo, keno. Keno's a lottery game, isn't it? <laughs> Keto, right? Adkins, right? And you made a decision. And you said, I am going to, I'm going to believe, I make a decision to believe that's true. What did you make that decision on? Some panel of experts that you don't know says if you keep your carbs below so-and-so, you're going to lose the weight, right? And plus, you knew somebody that did that and lost 80 pounds, right? So, according to some panel of experts you don't know, and the witness of somebody you do know, you decided it's true. You know, some of the greatest minds of history have looked at this Bible, and they've said, it's true panel of experts we don't know said it's true and you know you you know somebody who believes it's true you know somebody and you've seen evidence in their life that it's true right you got to make a decision if you want to develop the power to bless be filled with the spirit develop the power to bless and a myriad of other untapped capacities and you need to surrender to the word of god as absolute truth you say, but I have questions. I have questions about the Bible. That's fantastic. Ask them. You know, somebody says, somebody says, how, you know, the Bible, how, how can the Bible have a standard of heterosexual monogamy in this day and age? How can that be? You say, I know some people who have a different sexual orientation. They're wonderful people. I know. That doesn't make the Bible not true, though, does it? Some people can say, how can the Bible teach the exclusivity of the gospel? That Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. How? And some of you say, how can that be? I know some Muslim people who, they're wonderful people. I know. So ask the question. It doesn't change the answer. There's a lot of arguing back with God in American Christianity today. Saying, yes, but I know the Bible says that we shouldn't be living together this way, but, you know, we got bills to pay. We really can't afford to live. Stop it. Stop hurting yourself. Stop it. Stop it in the name of Jesus. Stop. You're stepping on your own air hose. You fill in your blank. 
Don't be excited about that statement because that doesn't happen to be your thing. What's your thing? What are you arguing with God about? You know, there's two ways to ask God these questions. One is, God, I don't understand this part of your word or how you could possibly even be like that. Therefore, I don't accept it. I reject it. Or you could say, God, I don't understand. I know that your word is true, but I'm having trouble with this part. Can you help me? You've got to surrender to the word of God if you, if you want to be engaged by the spirit. I mean, why would God release his spirit on people who aren't following him, right? Aren't interested in following him. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to ask God to fill you and release the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Just ask him. Just present yourself. Just ask him, right? Anybody get to Luke yet in the Bible? So in chapter 11, they're talking about prayer. Jesus is talking to his disciples about prayer. And he says, you know, here's how prayer is. He said, you guys. He says, if your son comes and asks you, like, I forget what he says, like, for a fish, you wouldn't give him a snake, would you? Or for an egg, you wouldn't give him a stone, would you? And they're like, well, no. If I had it, I'd give it, right? And, and then Jesus said this. He said, if you who are evil, got me on that one, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you? Because when we ask God to release the Holy Spirit inside of us, refill us, re-engage us in the power of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing is he's restoring the image of God in us. This is what... This is what restores us to our proper place in the created order. It doesn't just save us for later. It restores us for now. And you can speak blessing into people's lives if you're filled with the Spirit. There's, there's just some of you right now, you're saying, I, I want that, I want that. Some of you are saying, I used to have that. I don't have that anymore. Want it back? Some of you are saying, I've never had that. Always wondered about it. Think I'm ready. Some of you are saying, I got that. And if you do, you say, I want more of that. So if you're just there and you're saying, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's ready to come to God on those three terms. Surrender my life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Accept the Bible as the truth from God. Questions are fine. I'm making a decision. All right. It's true. Cut away. I'm just asking. I want to ask you this. If you're a person here today who feels that you're, like you're, that's exactly where you are, you're saying, I want to encounter the Holy Spirit in that way. I want you and only you to stand. You're just saying, yeah, I want this engagement of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be filled to be conquered by the Holy Spirit. Just stand up where you are.
such a rich presence of the Holy Spirit here today, you guys. And, um, I've told you before, I don't understand the geography of the Holy Spirit, how it is that when people come up into this river up here that, I don't know if it's that you collect together or what, but there's something up here. So if you're standing, come on. Come on. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and answer your request. Remember, you're coming on those three terms that we saw there a little bit ago, okay? You're coming on those terms. We're just going to... When you get here, you can do whatever you want. You can stand, you can kneel, whatever. You can sit on the floor. You can Whatever is in your heart to do, you're just here. You know why you're here. You know the intentions of your heart. So I just want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Just, just ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into you. 